Welcome back, everybody, to the pre-admission game with Aaron and Mitch. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm really well. We, uh, we're out of lockdown um, again. I think uh, there's a bit of a running... Again? Running <laughs> <laughs> I think last time we, we spoke, or in an earlier episode, we talked about how we, uh, we'd just come out of lockdown and then we went back into lockdown again. Now we're, we're back out. Out of and lockdown. Here's to the next episode being back in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> So today's episode, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about unpacking the black box mystery that is the GAMSAT exam, specifically the GAMSAT marks, uh, you, you know, because we're all in a little bit of a rat race trying to achieve the best mark possible. Absolutely. But the numbers are a bit of a mystery, aren't they? They can be a little bit confusing. You know, mm. I think yeah, there's just so much anxiety about the GAMSAT in general and trying to get into medicine. And, you know, it's like the rest of my life that, you know, it's very easy to, yeah, to kind of start panicking and to listen to what everybody says and everybody has a slightly different opinion. So yeah, there's a lot to kind of, I think, unpack. And you know, there's a lot of, I guess, stuff that isn't right, a lot of stuff that is right. So I think it's good to maybe set the record straight. Set the record. How do we interpret the golden goose, right? <laughs> we'll dive right into it, right, yeah. Mitch? So um, the first question I think any GAMSAT student or prospective GAMSAT student has is, okay, so they paid for the exam, they're waiting to sit the exam. How do you actually receive the, the results? What do those results look like? Sure. So, yeah, exactly. So you've sat the exam, you've gone through that whole anxiety, and then, unfortunately, you have kind of about a month and a half of just biting your nails and just kind of waiting for that day to come. Right. Uh, whenever it, it eventually does come, essentially what you're going to get is an email, um, you know, to the email that you registered uh, through and it's just going to be an email saying your results have been released um, it'll kind of lead you to a link you'll log into the Acer uh, website and right there in front of you is your score it's not very kind of ceremonious or anything like that it just kind of pops up and obviously the emotional repercussions of that follow yeah. <laughs> we'll deal with that in a sec so even <laughs> even though the test is now digital so it's done on the computer you don't it's not one of those digital tests where you get the score immediately afterwards no no so unlike you know other tests like for the example the UCAT where you do get you know some kind of score um, 24 hours after you do it so with the GAMSAT it is unfortunately a pretty hefty weight mm -hmm. um, so you know it can be yeah, pretty late. So for example, the March GAMSAT is usually held kind of around the start of March and then release, um, the release of those marks actually comes in about May. Usually, you know, when we look at kind of past years, it kind of happens anywhere from about the 10th or so to about the 20th, maybe in a, even a little bit earlier. Um, this year it was actually like a little bit, um, a little bit more delayed than people expected. Um, for any of those that I guess kind of are on Reddit and stuff like that, you know, there were kind of days of just people refreshing and everybody speculating as to when it would come, and then it eventually dropped on the 18th. Mm. Um, so yeah, it does come a little bit later after the exam. Yeah, I, when we were sitting at Mitch, I don't remember Asa letting us know when it would be released, right? No, I think we just knew that roughly at the end of the month we would expect, you know, something to happen. Yeah. Um, and then I think we were all in classes or something like that, and then sort of it became, it became clear that, you know, GAMS had dropped in because we were doing biomedicine, everyone's scurrying around, you yeah. know, trying to find a computer to ch check their results. Yeah, you just see scattered people crying, others yeah, celebrating. Yeah, right. yeah. So what's your, your hot uh, take on checking your, your exam results mid-lecture? Look, honestly, I reckon just do it. I think the anticipation of, like, not knowing and stuff mm. like that is, is far too stressful. I checked mine, like, I got a ping when I was literally in the car and I pulled over on the side of the road. That's um, sorry? Sensible. Yeah, sensible, exactly. You know, I didn't sensible want to... that he pulled over. That I pulled over, checking, that yeah. I pulled over, exactly. And I just checked it right there and then because, right. yeah, the idea of, like, 
having all my friends with me and my family and stuff was far too stressful. I didn't want to have to see their faces after, you know, having my results exposed. I, I, I do remember it was the opposite for me. I had an exam that day. Um, and I, you know, needed the outcome of the exam to be good, obviously, if I wanted to go into medicine. So I was like, oh, crap, I'm going to wait, set the exam, and then when I go home, I'll check. Yeah. So whatever way you do it, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. <laughs> the, the damage is already done. Exactly. Yeah, the score's not changing. The score's not changing. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're saying about two months, March to May, that's sort of the, the waiting period between mm-hmm. exam and results. And it's, would you say it's about the same with a September setting too? Yeah, exactly right. Usually you're getting it in about kind of November, you know, early November, early to mid-November. Right. You get the ping, you click on your email, you get taken via the hyperlink to the ASA website. What is the actual format? What do you see on the screen? How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if people are really curious, they can just look this up. I mean, tickets, the GAMSAT ticket, which is basically what it what comes up, um, you know, there's tons of images of it so if you really want to know what it looks like you definitely can just google it but essentially it'll give you four scores um it'll give you your individual section scores for section one section two section three and then it'll give you your overall score yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay and obviously the now with universities interpreting gamsat in different ways your gamsat score isn't necessarily the score that your university of choice that's the overall score the, the final number that you're talking about Mitch. well mm-hmm. right i suppose you're the you're the, yeah, <laughs> the sure. expert yeah, you, yeah. let, let like me to... jump in here guys um <laughs> Yes, exactly. So um, exactly like you said, um, there is, you know, the score that you have looking at you, your overall score isn't necessarily going to be the score that your university is going to consider. So there's two exceptions, I guess, to just universities considering that overall score. So firstly, you have uh, universities that look at your average score. So the traditionally, the way that the GAMSAT works is that your section one and section two scores are just kind of taken as they are, but then your section three score is double weighted. So that's obviously favored people with a really strong science background because if you've done you know, somewhat average in section one and section two, you've been able to, because section three is double weighted, if you've been able to do really well there, you can kind of compensate. Yeah, that was, that was what I had, no, I relied on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, exactly. As a, you I know, was like, please just make my section one be as worth as less as possible. Exactly, as a biomed student, that's really the mentality. Um, but nowadays, I guess some universities, and those universities are universities like the University of Melbourne, um, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and I think uh, the University of Queensland as well. Um, they are now taking your average score. So that means that your Section 3 score is actually just weighted equally with your Section 1 and Section 2. So, you know, I guess that means that for people getting their score back, you don't necessarily have to be dismayed if you haven't done too well in Section you know, 3 because there are some universities that are going to weigh Section 1 and Section 2 equally. So that obviously gives you a bit of an advantage. And all of this um, information is available on the university-specific web pages on the FIT website guys, just in case you're wondering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another kind of way that universities are, or one university is looking at your GAMSAT scores is the University of Sydney. Um, they're now kind of looking at your individual section scores. They're not really looking at an overall score. So that's a different way as well. Mm-hmm. So the GAMSAT score, I guess, your overall one is no longer the only currency. Now you're seeing universities interpreting your GAMSAT scores in slightly different ways to kind of match their own um, you know, values and kind of what they want to do mm, with that. Right. There are pretty significant implications to that, especially, well, not especially, specifically this application season, because you can actually have quite a high overall score. You might even have a really good Section 2, really good Section 3 score, you know, we're talking in the 70s. And then you go to apply to UCID, and because they rank you, you know, they rank Section 1 first, 
then they rank you in section, you know, they, they put everybody on a ladder for section two, then they put everybody on a ladder for section three. You might find that you, yes, you've won in section three, you might have the top score in the class, but then you're sort of middle or maybe even bottom of the pack in section one and two. And even though your overall score, even if you, you know, no, no matter how you cut the cake, no matter how you average it, is pretty good, you find that according to the UCID system, you're perhaps less competitive. So it's, with, with UCID specifically, it's even less important to look at your final score and more important to look at your individual scores and really not neglect them if that's absolutely the that you want to be applying. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, the standard is still to just look at your overall score. I mean, most universities will still use that. But mm. yeah, absolutely, we're seeing kind of a bit of a shift happening where mm. universities are now kind of considering the GAMSAT in a more kind of non-traditional way. Right, yeah, right. so I suppose just for other people, you know, thinking about the implication, um, just think, you know, your GAMSAT isn't just a, a GAMSAT anymore. It's There's lots of different ways to look at it and your university um, of choice, you know, might not take that score, you know, as read. So you really need to be aware of where your GAMSAT is going to be best looked at by right. the individual universities. To put That's yourself in the best, mm. you know, put your best foot forward, so to speak. Yeah. Sort of a pre-test, post-test probability type of situation for all of you stats nuts out there. So I guess before you set the GAMSAT, you should be trying to optimize all three sections. You know, don't, don't bank on one section. But after you receive your result, it's a good idea to look at your scores and think, okay, well, which university calculation are these scores going to be a good fit with? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, when... Like I said, as part of kind of that student support role, I have a lot of conversations with students after GAMSAT results come out. And yeah, that, you know, is really the majority of the conversations. It's looking at their GAMSAT results and thinking, okay, where are you the most competitive applicant? Yeah, that's awesome. And because Fraser's obviously is a GAMSAT um, and they've got, you know, ties to FIT um, and, and other sort of branches of, you know, the pre, pre-admission to, to sort of medical school, I suppose there's, there's a lot of um, understanding um, and expertise in, in that area, no matter where you are in your application cycle. So the thing that I would like to know before we shift the conversation over to discussing how the score is calculated is, I, I remember, so I've been in med for a couple of years now, and I know that you know, recently, for whatever reason, to relive the glory days, I logged into my ESO account and I tried to find my GAMSAT ticket, mm-hmm. right? and I actually couldn't <coughs> access it anymore. Do, when I have this ticket, when I, when I get it after sitting the exam, do I need to download it? Do I need to keep it? Do I need a physical copy for my med application? Good question. Um, essentially, the way that most applications work um, is that they happen through GEMSAS, right? Um, that's kind of the consortium where most medical universities kind of operate through and you know, through which you apply. So when you actually go to apply to them, essentially what they'll ask you to do is they'll ask you to put in your GAMSAT candidate ID, and this is essentially how your application will be linked to your GAMSAT score. So you're not gonna have to upload your tickets or anything like that. They'll automatically liaise with Acer directly and kind of get your um, your results through there. This is the same process, you know, for Flinders and USAID, which have different application uh, processes. You have to, you know, apply to them directly. You'll have to put in your scores. Um, and again, they'll kind of liaise directly with Acer. So it's not like you're gonna have to download it in paper and send it to them by mail. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be able to access them. But obviously you do wanna have those details available to you because you will have to put them in. Lucky for Aaron, he's actually got his framed at home. So yeah, exactly. he's smart enough to print it off. Um, but, so, but the candidate number, that's on the ASA website. That's not on the ticket. As in, you, you don't need the ticket to know your candidate number. No, so it is going to be found on your ticket, but you okay. can also find it like on the website. There's a backup. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. In yeah. case I decide to reapply with my 
six-year-old GAMSAT result. <laughs> Moving on to the actual scores. So you said before that there are four scores on your ticket, one for each section, and then one overall score, mm-hmm. which is the, the ACER calculation with the weighing. I guess, what do these numbers mean? Are they, are they out of something? What, mm-hmm. Like, what's the deal? When we look at those scores, essentially what those scores are are your... GAMSAT section scores and your GAMSAT overall scores. So when we think about our results, it's really kind of easy to start thinking about them in ways that we can understand. So we often talk about things like percentiles or out of, but that isn't really quite how the GAMSAT works. Um, So, you know, say in section one, um, there are 75 questions. Um, Your score of, say you get a 60, doesn't mean that you got 60 out of those 75 questions, right? Um, The GAMSAT is obviously a very complex psychometric test um, and kind of includes different mathematical models, which we can kind of discuss a little bit later on. And that means that it isn't, I guess, just linear. You know, it isn't just, this is what I got out of this. And it also isn't a percentile. You know, it doesn't mean that you are, you know, if you get a score of 65, it doesn't mean that you've got the 65th percentile in in this section. That's just your objective GAMSAT score. That's, I guess, a score that ACER has determined, you know, is indicative of your performance in this section. You're talking about percentiles. What is a percentile? Because I know that they're mentioned in UCAT. People talk about percentiles a lot. Mm. And UCAT, I know we mentioned it before, ladies and gentlemen, is the... the, uh, Essentially, it's this undergraduate medical admission test. So we've got GAMSAT for postgrad, UCAT for undergrad. Mm. Um, anyway, so they talk about percentiles a lot. What's a percentile? Sure. So essentially, percentiles are an easy way for us to understand how our performance, how we've done uh, on the GAMSAT. But the thing is, it's really more so a metric to help ourselves understand our performance rather than for universities to understand our performance. When universities look at your GAMSAT scores, they're going to look at the scores that are on the paper or on your GAMSAT ticket. They're not going to see how you've done in comparison to others. So this is a really important point to understand because obviously applicants may be you know, doing better in one year than another, but the percentiles might be different. So people might think, okay, well, I scored higher on the percentile kind of distribution in one year, but the overall score was lower. Maybe I should do that one because that means that I performed better, better in comparison to everybody else. But that's really not the best way to go about it. You should still be using the highest overall score or obviously the highest kind of GAMSAT score that you've calculated, whether it is the average one or the overall one, because that's what universities are going to be looking at. They're not going to be looking at your percentiles. And remember as well, the people will still have that GAMSAT score from the previous sitting, previous years, you know, September, March, the year before, on hand, and then it'll ju- and the only sort of consistent thing is the GAMSAT score, right? So yeah. you really need to have that on hand, and that's the thing that universities are going to be, uh, you know, considering mainly in your application. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. So essentially what you're saying is that when I get any given GAMSAT score, that correlates to me being in you know, the top 5, top 10% of people. But say if I got a 64 one year, that could be top 10%. But another year, that 64 could be top 5%. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So obviously, you know, there's slight variations kind of every year. We do see essentially Acer um, publishes a distribution curve at mm-hmm. the end of every GAMSAT. Mm-hmm. And this lets us know kind of how applicants have sat um, or have performed, you know, uh, on the GAMSAT for that given year. That's on your GAMSAT ticket, isn't it? It's like on the back of your GAMSAT so ticket? So it's not actually on the GAMSAT right. ticket itself, but it is information that is kind of available um, if you actually scroll down. Is, yours on the same on your is that also ticket. framed, is it? On it your... Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And there's a little cross where I sit <laughs> on the distribution curve. 
um, so yeah, they you know they kind of release those distribution curves, and that shows us how the cohorts have performed in general. Um, so you know it's easy to. I guess, see your performance in the context of those percentiles. Mm -hmm. And we can see that the curve isn't the same every year. You do have slight variations. Um, and that means that exactly like a 64, um, or that might lead us to think that a 64 in one year is different to a 64 in the other. But this is really the magic to the GAMSAT, that because of the way that it's structured and the way that it's actually marked, it allows for these scores to be consistent or to be used you know, from year to year, even if there are slight variations in, for example, the difficulty of the test or the strength of a cohort or anything like right, that. Yeah. So am I correct then in understanding that a 64 is equivalent to a 64 year to year, despite the fact that some years more people might get 64s and other years fewer people get 64s, for example? Yeah, that's exactly that right. Correct? Exactly. So, you know, we, when we look at your applications, um, GAMSAT results are available for essentially two years, right? Mm -hmm. So it has to mean, you know, that that a, you know, a particular score from two years ago has to be equivalent to a score from this year. Otherwise, it would be obviously unfair. You know, say a score or an exam this year yeah. was particularly easy, then that puts the people that sat the exam two years ago at a very big disadvantage. Yeah, so, that's, that's a really good point because I know it brings a lot of people sort of quite a lot of anxiety on, absolutely. That, on that note because they think, oh, you know, say, for instance, with COVID, oh, very few people took the exam, you know, the, the, the GAMS that was full of, you know, all of these high-performing students, it's going to, you know, bump down mm. the average score or, mm. you know, relatively their percentile will be worse mm -hmm. or they're at a disadvantage. So you're saying that's not true. No. It's, it should be fully consistent across the years. So really, um, for those listening at home, there's, there should be no, you know, thinking about gaming when you do sit the exam. It should, they should be consistent across all years. Mm. Absolutely. That's exactly the case. The score, you know, if I got a 64 last year, that's going to be equivalent to a 64 this year, regardless of how the rest of our cohort ended up mm. kind of performing. So you're saying that this number, this score is sort of not, it's not an indicator of your competitiveness, not, not in the same, at least the, the way the, the ATAR was, right? For mm -hmm. example, where you got a number and that's your ranking. Mm -hmm. This is not a ranking. This is more like an IQ value, right? Or, or a smartness indicator. Is, is that sure? Really, um, yeah. I think like there's a little bit more to it than just you know <laughs> like a, a smartness I just, indicator. I just want people to validate my guess. Well, exactly. Well. I guess you know that kind of fits in line with somebody you know that actually has that framed on their wall. It makes sense that you would kind of believe that. Um, but yeah, essentially, it's it's an indicator of your performance, your kind of objective performance on this test. I guess the word that we should be using here is merit. Really, it's yeah. not really an indication of, of your intelligence, but your merit in the exam. Exactly. Obviously, the exam tests, and again, we can talk about kind of the models behind it. The exam tests, um, you know, very fundamental skills that obviously ACER has determined um, are essential for, you know, future doctors and such. Um, so these essential skills are tested in the GAMSAT and your performance on questions that test these skills, um, I guess, correlate to your final actual result. Um, it is exactly based on your performance on it, not necessarily kind of how easy the exam was. Mm -hmm. And um for those of you at home who are thinking, oh, I haven't seen any of these percentile curves, um, they're all available on the GAMSAT scores article on the Fraser's website, if you want to yeah. check that out. A quick Google away. So, Kieran, would it then be correct to say that essentially the exam fluctuations predominantly mm -hmm. um, are associated with the cohort rather than, like, I mean, the exam can be a little bit harder, a little bit easier, but sometimes you might get a stronger cohort that scores better overall, you know, yeah. you get more high scores, and sometimes you get a cohort that 
is perhaps less prepared for the exam and they score a little bit worse. Mm -hmm. And that accounts for the sort of bell curve distribution between the years. Is that a reasonable way of looking at it? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Again, yeah. you know, it's all based on merit. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not necessarily that it was an easier or harder exam. You know, if you got a 72, you got a 72. It wasn't that you were just lucky. You mm -hmm. know, that the, the GAM set is there to, to kind of minimize those lucky people from, from I guess, getting through in a sense. Right. That's right. a perfect point to, to move on to. Uh, you know, just asking how is the GAM set then based on merit? Sure. So I guess the underlying theory that that proves to us or shows us that the GAM set is based on merit um, is this idea called item response theory. So item response theory is essentially a mathematical paradigm, if we want to call it, but essentially, you know, <laughs> it's a, yeah, I know, I know. Um, no, it's kind of a, a theory or a mathematical model um, that allows for <clears throat> Acer to do, a diff, you know, a variety of different things. That means it allows them to kind of assign difficulty to different questions. Um, it allows them to, I guess, tell if you're just guessing or if you're actually, you know, performing well. Um, and yeah, it allows them to kind of test a variety of different skills. So, so would, would that be sort of thinking, okay, the high performing students tended to get this question wrong, that means that's a really hard question. Sure, so it is is it is somewhat impacted by performance on the day, but it is also kind of determined by Acer prior you know, to the exam. They, they do know, they essentially kind of rank questions to some degree by difficulty. They know which are um, the questions that for a particular skill set are you know, somewhat easier. Say pattern recognition, they'll know which are easier, which are harder, and then you know, depending on how students do on that, I guess, ranking of questions, depending how many of those they get right in, I guess, a sequential order, that's indicative of their grasp of that particular skill. Yeah, mm. interesting. And I, I guess this all plays into some of the things that we talk about in our masterclasses and in our workshops when we say that, yes, it is important to have a good, you know, solid foundation in physics, chemistry, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, right, a lot of your understanding of the question and a lot of your chances of answering a question correctly comes from the correct logical and analytic method applied to the question itself. Right, so spending hours and hours and hours revising every physics formula is only you, you know a, a fraction of the full GAMSAT preparation story. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, I think a really really important point for I guess prospective students to understand because I again hear this all the time. People tell me well, I like studied. You know, I went through like four biology textbooks. I read, you know, seven physics textbooks and I did this many chemistry questions. Like I understand the theory, but I wasn't able to do well. And that's because exactly at the end of the day, the GAMSAT, especially when we're talking about section three, is sure, uh, you know, a kind of science reasoning exam. But I think the way I like to think about it is that it's dressed as a science exam, but the underlying, I guess, theory is testing more fundamental skills, you know, because we have to understand that obviously the GAMSAT um, is, you know, meant to be at a first year university level for physics and chemistry, or sorry, for biology and chemistry and year 12 for physics. And I think most people can probably study that and get up to that level, but still we see so much variation. Yeah. So I think that's kind of indicative of the fact that it isn't just about your theoretical knowledge, but more so your kind of cognitive skills. Yeah, and, and I think that's great and a, gr a good way to understand how to approach GAMSAT, I suppose. We're, we're talking about scores today, but, you know, maybe thinking for people who are sort of approaching their, their GAMSAT study now to think it's a skills exam rather than a content exam. So very different to your university preparation, which is often, you know, testing your ability to regurgitate content and, you know, 
be really content heavy. We're talking about a skills heavy exam, which wants you to you know, have different ways of thinking or show your skills and your different ways of thinking. That's exactly right, yeah. So I suppose we've, we've now talked about how GAMSAT is, is merit-based. There's this thing called item response theory, which we've, we've, we've sort of talked about a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, would you be able to elaborate on item response theory as a, as a concept? Sure, so I guess, yeah, item response theory is, you know, it's a very kind of complicated <laughs> mathematical model, but when we, when we think about it in the context of the GAMSAT, um, you know, and it really comes down to this idea of it allows for Acer to yeah, assign different difficulties and really get an objective understanding of people's performance on the exam. So, um, you know, it's, I guess, an idea that is used throughout a lot of different psychometric tests. So it has been, you know, tried and tested. It allows for Acer to get this list of questions, um, understand, I guess, how people's performance correlates to their performance in these questions. Um, and I guess it really underpins why the GAMSAT isn't your kind of section score isn't just a matter of adding how many questions you got right because their questions are weighted in a sense according to difficulty. They aren't just weighted in, I guess, an easy to understand way in the sense that this question is worth 1.2 marks and this question is worth, you know, 4.7 marks or something like that. It's, I guess, a little bit more elaborate than that because it takes into consideration really a variety of different factors. You know, it takes into consideration where this question is on the exam, what questions preceded it, you know, whether this is, you've just had to switch your mode of thinking. You know, it's also dependent on just, I guess, the difficulty the, that ACER determines, you know, this question is. Um, so it is very kind of multifactorial. It's interesting that you mentioned the placement of the question because one of the things that we always talk about when we discuss quote-unquote GAMSAT hacks or, or exam navigation skills, as they really should be called, is that we talk about you know flipping through the exam and reading time, dissecting it, understanding where your strengths, and when you're essentially you know, measuring yourself up against, against your enemy, being the exam, not the other candidates, <laughs> of course. Um, so, and, and that is sort of a technique that isn't you know, just part and parcel of every exam preparation. It's a technique that is directly developed to increase your odds or even your odds against item response theory, right? Because if you are finding it challenging to switch between modes of thinking, if you know that chemistry is your weak point but physics is your strong point, smashing through all the physics questions rather than jumping chemistry, physics, chemistry, physics is a way that you ensure consistency in your responses, right? Yeah, sure. But obviously, you know, like we were kind of talking about before, Mm. it isn't just segmented by chemistry and physics. You might get, you know, a chemistry question that is actually very akin to a physics question in the fundamental skill that they're testing, you know, say data analysis. But yeah, absolutely. So there's there's no one-size-fits-all technique. No, no. lots of techniques. No, exactly, exactly. Mm. And I think this is ultimately you know, something to remember. So sure, we can kind of understand the fundamentals of how the GAMSAT um, is scored. And this, I guess, gives us an understanding and perhaps a sense of peace, you know, and thinking, okay, I can understand that maybe I can do something with this. But really, I think what it, at least the takeaway message that I take from from this is that it just means that I have to keep trying to do as best as I can. You know, it doesn't, this doesn't offer me any hacks or anything like that. This doesn't offer me, you know, a secret understanding that I'm now going to be able to use to get 100 in every section or anything like that. It just means that the act, the GAMSAT is very well thought out. Um, it has a lot of science behind it. And I just have to make sure that I prepare thoroughly for all these kind of fundamental skills and try to do as best as I can in order to score well. So which it's not an arbitrary hurdle that we should be annoyed about. No, exactly. exactly. We should be annoyed about we it. Be annoyed. <laughs> it's not arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. I have one point. So the it's... 
if we if we take that what you've just said, mm-hmm. does that mean that that idea that you know certain students have of you know maybe doing the last questions first because you know they could be harder or less people are going to be attempting those questions because hardly anyone can complete section three in time? Would that mean that that would benefit them to do that, or is this something so? That's not, right? uh, not necessarily because again, it's not as black as black and white as, okay, we'll put the easy questions at the start and we'll put the hard questions at the end. Um, It is, you know, a bit more complex than that. But yeah, there is, I guess, a certain element of placement being important in, you know, where questions sit, or sorry, placement being relevant in, I guess, how these questions are weighted. Right, so it's almost like Ace has spent millions of dollars developing an exam that can't be hacked by doing it backwards. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) It'd be funny if that was like the way to do it. But I think people have tried and I think they haven't been as successful as they might have wanted to be. So if it it makes you happy, if it makes you happy, you can do it. Not necessarily the be all end all section in every section um, type of deal. Um, Okay, so I guess you've been saying that this is a little bit of peace and comfort in the sense that the exam is systematic. It's designed to be fair and test merit. Uh, and perhaps it's not a, a hack. This knowledge isn't a hack in and of itself, but um, can you elaborate a little bit more? And you've already touched on this a little bit. What does this knowledge give you? How, how does this information impact your preparation or anybody's preparation? Sure. So I guess one thing that it tells us is that, you know, we're being tested on these fundamental cognitive skills, and this is really what we should be preparing to to kind of perform on. Um, you know, it means that when it comes to section three, you don't have to understand everything about stereochemistry or organic chemistry in order to perform well, because the GAMSAT isn't testing that. God, you I know? still don't. Yeah, no, <laughs> a, I, I think that's a really great insightful point you just brought up there, because I think so many people will be, you know, hitting the textbooks, they'll be talking to tutors and they'll be thinking about all the content that they have to learn. Don't do that. <laughs> Garen's saying, and, and I think I think he's he's, you know, right on the money with this. You know, think about the cognitive skills, dissect what the, the question's actually getting you to do, and then work on those aspects. And I think, you know, Phrases has this question log, which, which is, you know, can be useful, I think, in some ways. I think for those of you that are preparing, whether it's with a tutor or by yourself or, or whatever, you need to be thinking about dissecting the cognitive skill that the question's getting you to answer. So if you're um, you know, doing tons of biology questions, you know, and you might not be noticing any sus- sustained improvement. You need to be thinking, which aspects of my cognitive skills am I, am I lacking here, rather than which aspects of the content am I missing here? And if you start, you know, building on these um, these skills, you can do so using the phrases. Wait, the question, question log, log exactly. the you know, if, you, if, you use, if you use the question log and you're actually able to identify these cognitive skills, then I think you can make meaningful inroads into improving. Yeah, definitely. The one thing that's always been comforting for me when, when people talk about, oh, you have to do you know, first year biochem, year 12 physics, is that the syllabus for first year, like what on earth is the syllabus of first year biology? You go to every university, even in Victoria, that syllabus is going to be different. Yeah. Right? You go across Australia, that syllabus is multiplied by you know, 20, 23 different variations and permutations. So I, I think that should be the number one indicator to you that clearly... The content here is important, but it's not key 
Exactly. Right. I mean, yeah. the GAMSAT is a is a test that's not only used in Australia, mm-hmm. but is obviously used, you know, overseas as well, like in the UK. So ultimately, it has to be accessible, yeah. that's true. you know, and therefore that means that, yeah, the content is obviously relevant because they are testing it in some level. But it's ultimately those skills that are going to translate to you being a doctor yeah. that are being tested here. There's some like Eastern European countries, I think, that also accept the GAMSAT. I want to say I looked this up at some point. It's on our website. Maybe Poland. Some, some place really. accepts the GAMSAT for medical. Like it's not that primary mode of, of admission sort of uh, testing, but it is one. Of, I think it's for internationals primarily. If we, so, but if we get know. a Polish listener, I will be so happy. So <laughs> if, if we get a Polish listener, please, please send us an email. <laughs> send us an email, but also, yeah, clearly, you know, the Polish first year biology syllabus. <laughs> I don't even know what what they would learn. Right? Imagine similar things, but still slightly yeah. different. Right? Yeah. In Polish, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. You, 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 um, you've been great in what you've been able to bring to the table today. I think so many people um, you know, have a rough idea of GAMSAT, the scores, but you know, what you've done is you've taken it to the next level. And I think that ultimately we will, they'll not only be able to understand their score better, but now they can understand how to you know, take that information and approach the GAMSAT better mm. as well. Absolutely. And, and if you'd like any of this in written form so you can sort of uh, spend hours poring over it, um, we do have uh, an article about this on, on our website. Um, so I believe the article at the moment is titled um, GAMSAT Scores 2021. Okay. Um, so that'll give you, I guess, a good insight into what we've spoken about today. Mm-hmm. It also goes a little bit into kind of GPA calculations, what is a good enough GAMSAT score, what isn't a good enough GAMSAT score, that kind of stuff. Right. And there's a GPA calculator attached to it as well. Um, it? Yeah, it's not on the article, but it, it can definitely be found on the website. It's on yeah. the website, so it's, it's somewhere in that. Down, down that rabbit hole. Follow <laughs> we'll, the hyperlinks. We'll 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 put it in the show notes as well, so Absolutely, it's easy for you all to access. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you've really been invaluable, insightful. I certainly learned learned. Something. I learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, Aaron's. You know, just just had this GAMSAT score on his wall. I, it's become stuff. more valuable. But to now, me now he understands it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, maybe I should sell it on Antiques <laughs> Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, it's good. guys. By the way, I definitely don't don't have it framed. Um, j- just. Yeah, he does believe to, at his core, though, that Gamset is about smartness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think anybody that scored well probably, probably down, down under definitely never, thinks that. Never gonna look beneath stuff. everything. Yeah. All right, thanks so much, guys, and this has been the pre-admission game. Catch you next time.